0: It is our great good fortune that Paul was sitting in Ephesus thinking about Corinth and what he could write to Corinthians because that was an important city. It was a wealthy city. It was located between a couple gulfs of Corinthian Gulf, Sauronian Gulf. And because of that was a wealthy, wealthy place. Where wealth is found, wickedness follows. And the new church, now about three years old, as Paul's writing and thinking about what to advise them, how to behave, how to grow the church, how to worship, how to get along together, how to survive in a wicked environment like this, we have some record here. Will you stand with me as we read this, please? In chapter 12, Paul starts with a purpose statement. and says, now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, for several verses, he goes on and talks about ignorance and so on. And, and then at four, another high point here, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service. But the same Lord, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. There's purpose there. And then verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same. I've seen this expressions as one in the same. This is one and the very same. These are all work of one and the same spirit. He gives them to each one just as he determines. The word of the Lord. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Gail, and thank you for that very appropriate introduction to this passage as well. Um, before we dive into, um, well, this is what, number five. Thank you, Dan, in uh, the series on the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we sang Wonderful Grace of Jesus today. That brings back great memories from uh, our college days. Uh, Dr. Knight, who was actually a professor in the education department, would lead singing in our chapel services sometime, and we almost always sang Wonderful Grace of Jesus when Dr. Knight led the singing. And you know, that was kind of, that was in the 70s, the mid 70s, and uh, church music was kind of transitioning some at that point and we were going to a more modern sound, but let me tell you, everybody in chapel got into that one. Um, It it was always a lot of fun to sing the wonderful grace of Jesus. Um, Obviously, you you saw that um, I kind of chose portions of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, and one of the reasons I skipped the part um, from verse 8 through 10 is because Paul lists specific gifts there, and I'm not going to focus on specific gifts today. I'm kind of talking about the gift package and how the Holy Spirit works through that. So I just want you to understand why why, uh, I chose the passages we did. So imagine uh, it's the birthday of someone you love, or it's Christmas time, and you give that person a gift, that person that you care about, that you love. What do you think about? Well, First of all, when we give a gift, it's free for them. I mean, we don't send them a bill along with the gift. I don't think. Nobody does that, do they? Um, Second, we we want the gift to be an expression of our love to that individual. And third, we want it to be something that is just right for the recipient of that gift. In other words, if I were buying a gift for Julie... I would not consider a sawzall, all those, I, I think those are one of the greatest inventions ever made. <laughs> Ask anybody in construction, right, Brian? It's, it's, they're amazing. I wouldn't consider a sawzall or a book on fly fishing in Colorado or a spotting scope. That's not, those aren't things that I would consider for my wife. I would consider... Some item of clothing she would like, or an airline ticket to see the grandkids. Don't, don't pin your hopes on these, though, hon. Or a lifetime coffee card to Starbucks. That would go over big, too. Did you know that all of these thoughts apply to spiritual gifts? They're free. They are expressions of love, and they are just right for the recipient. There's a lot of information out there about the spiritual gifts. Some of it's right, some of it's wrong, some of it's helpful, some of it's dangerous. So if we want correct information, we need to stick to what the scripture tells us. A good place to start is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we've had a portion of that chapter read for us today. And Paul signals his intention. Intentionality, there we go. In verse 1 when he says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. So, I want to clarify some things here for your understanding. That's what Paul's telling the Corinthians. And, and the word Paul uses for spiritual gifts, it's two, two words in our language, but it was one word in the original language, is charismata. Charismata is the plural form of charisma. We're all pretty familiar, I think, with that word. The word, the word charisma can lead us to think in a certain direction, as in a person who's kind of outgoing and appealing and tends to draw other people to themselves. We say that's a person with charisma. Or we may think in terms of charismatic, in terms of a style of worship that is outwardly very expressive and focuses maybe on certain spiritual gifts when we think of charisma. Charisma is from the root word charis, meaning grace, and the suffix ma, m-a, charisma, meaning the result of grace. Paul affirms the meaning of charisma in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, where he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So what does this all tell us? It it says that spiritual gifts are grace gifts given by God. And spiritual gifts are just that gifts. They're not something we earn or are given to us as a result of we've just done enough from God to earn one. Our job is to receive them and then develop them through use. Now, before I go on, I want to important, uh, highlight one important difference between the birthday or Christmas gifts we receive and the spiritual gifts that are given us by the Holy Spirit. Most, if not all, gifts we receive are intended for our personal enjoyment, benefit, or use. Right? Spiritual gifts, on the other hand, though they can be enjoyed, are intended for the benefit of others. That's one great difference between the gifts you and I receive from one another and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. So, at this point, it might be helpful to make a distinction then between spiritual gifts and something that we sometimes confuse with spiritual gifts, and that is talents. A talent is a natural ability you are born with. In more, in more theological terms, a talent would be called a common grace. This would be something you would have a natural proclivity for. People that we consider gifted are very often born with an innate ability to excel at certain things. And so we talk about gifted musicians or gifted artists or gifted athletes. We are sometimes amazed at some individual's abilities to look at... Certain complex problems and come up with a solution in a matter of moments that we might never have figured out. My brother-in-law Dean, and who's the, the the Walker Manufacturing guy, who we've got one of his machines parked in the shed out here. He has this innate ability for mechanical things, all things mechanical. He has an engineer's mind without an engineer's training. So that machine is basically the brainchild of Dean Walker. God gave him that ability and when they encounter a problem with it, something that needs to be changed, something needs to be upgraded or modified, guess who they go to for the solu- who they go to for so- the solution? And somehow Dean comes up with an answer. He's gifted that way. He was born with that talent. It's an innate ability. Um, many of you know that Julie and I ride a, a Can-Am Spider. And uh, the machine I bought is not the kind that has all the bags and stuff on it already, but I wanted to put bags on our machine. And so I ordered, um, I didn't want to pay Can-Am's prices, so I ordered an aftermarket product. Okay, where Julie sits on the back seat, there are, there are handholds that come out from the machine so she can hang on. I like that. I tell her to hang on. But this aftermarket product said, in order to put your bags on the machine, you're going to have to remove those handholds. And Julie and I were both saying, we don't want to do that. So guess who I took my machine to? I took it to Dean. Dean. And Dean kind of looked at that, said, "Oh, we could fix that," and went on the lathe and he cut some metal and you know, pretty soon my the bags were mounted and I still had handholds. <laughs> I could have worked on that for six months and not come up with that solution. That Dean came, it was done in an hour. That's what I'm talking. That's talent. That's talent. On the other hand. Spiritual gifts are different. A a gift is a spiritual endowment you are born again with. It's a spiritual endowment that you are born again with. These gifts are referred to as special graces. Talents are common graces. Spiritual gifts are special graces. You know, this is the event, uh, this born again with, that Jesus was talking about in his encounter with Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And it's at that point that you receive that special grace. When we experience spiritual birth, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives and brings along with Him a gift for you. A spiritual gift. There was a man in our church in Eastern Oregon that had the gift of evangelism. Maybe like no one I've ever met before, outside of evangelists. He had the ability to turn ordinary conversations to spiritual things. But maybe more impressive to me was his ability to get unchurched people to attend Bible studies in his home... And then that provided him an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And in my time at that church, he led a number of people to faith in Jesus Christ. Good job, Ray. Perhaps you've experienced or witnessed in someone else the expression of a spiritual gift that was given to them once they were born again. Teaching. Giving hospitality, wisdom, leadership that had not been present in their lives previously, but was a gift that the Holy Spirit gave them. And whether a talent or a spiritual gift, neither is to lie dormant or wasted in our lives. Gifted people are gifted in part because they have worked to develop that natural talent or ability. Spiritual gifts are obvious in the lives of many Christians because they have put that gift to work and developed it. So we see the difference between common graces and special graces. I think it's helpful to determine or to understand that their purposes are different as well. The purpose of a talent is generally for entertainment or instruction inspiration, and even provision. We can receive all these when people share their talents with us. But spiritual gifts have a different purpose. They are for spiritual growth, individually and corporately. They help in building the body, in maintaining unity for Christian service, and to help the church fulfill the mission that God has given us in the world where we live. The book of what Christians today understand about spiritual gifts comes from three particular passages in the Scripture. The first passage is, first, well, actually it's three chapters. 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. And then there's mention of spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12. And again in Ephesians chapter 4. And in these passages there are lists, of specific examples of spiritual gifts. However, many biblical scholars believe that these lists are not comprehensive. In other words, not all the spiritual gifts are listed in Paul's writings. These lists are merely representative of what the Holy Spirit can do by way of the gifts that He gives um, I looked up spiritual gifts lists on the internet and found some variation in the number of gifts listed. I found a gift uh, list that had 18. Uh, and, and I only went so far, but a gift that listed 18, a gift uh, list that listed 19, a list that gave 22, a list that gave 30. I have lists in my files that includes 16 and one that includes 24. So there you go. One of the reasons for this, I think, is that in the early church, as depicted in the book of Acts, we see demonstrations of gifts not mentioned in the passages that I've already referred to from Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians. We see things happening there that are indicative of spiritual gifts that we don't see listed. Elsewhere, For instance, intercession, compassion, and wisdom, to name a few. These gifts we see exhibited in the body of Christ as the Holy Spirit worked through the lives of believers in the New Testament. Another reason for believing that the gifts Paul lists are not complete is because they were, they were not meant to be exhaustive lists. Paul did not intend to list all of them. I think if he had intended to do so, he would have mentioned the same gifts every time he mentioned the gifts. But he did not do that. He only gives representative lists each time. Are we good? Okay. So, a question we might need to consider at this point then is, who is in charge of determining who gets... What gifts? Well, the Holy Spirit is the only one who administers the gifts. Did you know that there's no mention of spiritual gifts in the Old Testament? We see mention of the Holy Spirit and we know that He is at work, but nothing of what we find in the New Testament regarding spiritual gifts. We see nothing of that in the Old Testament. The giving of spiritual gifts is distinctly New Testament. The first we see of this is in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. When the 120 were gathered in the upper room, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there was immediate evidence of the manifestation of spiritual gifts in the lives of the apostles. In fact, throughout the book of Acts, we discover a connection between the filling of the Holy Spirit and the release of spiritual gifts in the lives of people upon whom the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is the one who administers the gifts. We need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is the only one who gives gifts, and He alone determines what gifts are given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, that Gail read for us this morning, All these, speaking of the gifts, are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each just as He determines. Yeah. It'd be nice if the pastor could say, Shazam, Bob, you have this gift now. Go out there and use it. Doesn't work that way, does it? So the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the gifts, and he gives them as he determines. We have nothing to do with those decisions. And I think there's a a tendency with some believers, and I think we see this in some denominational traditions, um, to try to work themselves into certain gifts. We even see this encouraged, um, well, we see it encouraged in some places. But it is not up to us. It's not up to us. The Holy Spirit knows what gift is needed in each individual believer and, to, and together what gifts are needed corporately in the church so that the body of Christ is able to function effectively. So he knows what gift is needed in your life. He knows what package of gifts needs to come together in the body so that we can accomplish the mission God has given us as the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the next question then would be, well, who receives these gifts? Well, we would find, we find the answer to that question in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 again, what was read for us today. Now to each one, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Who is each one? Paul is addressing his comments to the church in Corinth to a group of people who have placed their faith in Christ as Savior. Spiritual gifts are given to every believer. Every believer. Every believer. Okay? To every Christian on the planet, God has given talents which we are to use for His glory, but He's also given us spiritual gifts which we also have the responsibility of developing and using for His glory. So we all have some kind of talent and we all have at least one spiritual gift that God has given us. And if we fail to use these gifts, then something is missing in the body of Christ. Some need is not met. Some job will not get done. So if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you have a gift and you have a vital role to play. Now, that's kind of the idea, okay, I've got a gift. I didn't think I did, but I guess, Pastor, you just said, well, okay, I must have one. (laughs) Kind of on the other end of that spectrum are those who would like to have all the gifts that God has offered. But that's not what God has in mind for us. Not for me, not for you, not for any of the apostles, not the most dynamic A famous and dynamic pastor or evangelist or missionary. No one person does God give all the gifts. And so, no believer has every gift. No believer has every gift. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 29 and 30, Are all apostles... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer to these questions is no. No, no, no. You know, it's one thing to desire spiritual gifts. It's another thing to presume that the Holy Spirit would give all the gifts to any one individual. Um, It's easy to imagine, I think anyway it's easy to imagine the problems that might be caused if there were people who evidenced all of the gifts in their lives. First of all, there might be a temptation to pride there. You don't need any more pastors in this church, because I've got it all going on. Okay? Or, pastor, just come to me. Just come to me. But it could also lead other members of the body who are not as equally blessed to think that they were not needed. Well, so and so can do it all. You don't need me. When we discover our gifts that benefit the common good, then we are forced to work in cooperation with one another because nobody has them all. Which means we need all of you. It creates this sense of dependency upon one another, doesn't it? We need each other. The Holy Spirit dispersed these gifts so that the needs of the body would be met and so that the body of Christ would work together, not only to accomplish this mission, but as a testimony of cooperation and unity to a watching world. And those same verses I just read to you, not all are apostles, not all are evangelists. They also tell us that we don't all have the same gift. Yeah, aren't you glad for that? Ooh. And again, Paul focuses on this truth in, in 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen through 20, where he says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. No. Now, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not mean for that reason that it's not a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear... Uh, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. He determines. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. So, to guard against gift envy, you know what that is? Oh, Man, look what they've got. I wish I had that. To guard against gift gift envy or the thought that my gift isn't important, Paul makes two very important points in the passage I just read. Number one, every gift is of vital importance to the body. Every gift. And number two, the Holy Spirit has distributed the gifts just as God wanted them to be. In other words, each of us has the gift that God wanted just for us. Okay? And be- before we leave this look at spiritual gifts, we need to look at what makes all this work together in the way God intended. Because uh, we have this a variety of gifts that God has given people that are part of the church, this particular body, the Longmont Church of the Nazarene. How does God make that all work together? You know, any engine, vroom, vroom, any engine has a number of moving parts. And for those parts to work smoothly together, there needs to be a lubricant of some kind. So if my car engine doesn't have oil in it, friction builds up and the whole thing quits working after a while. It seizes up. That happens in relationships too. Paul understood that, that dynamic. So between chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, you know what's in there? Chapter 13, what do we call that chapter? The love chapter. Love is the oil that makes spiritual gifts work together. At the end of chapter 12, Paul says this, And now I will show you a more excellent way. All this stuff about gifts and the body of Christ hinges on love. And remember, I told you I'm kind of uh, using this book that Mark Fuller wrote and tired consume is kind of an outline that I'm using for the topics I address here. Mark Fuller says this. Why is love the key? Because love is the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the highest of all standards. If we do everything in love, the Holy Spirit can work it all out for God's glory and the be- benefit of everyone involved. Love is the fruit of the Spirit that brings credibility to the gifts of the Spirit. It's all all comes out of love. So, I, I know I didn't talk about specific gifts Really? Have you ever wondered, Boy, what's my spiritual gift? I'm not sure. Well, I can help you with that. I've tried to help you with that. I have these spiritual gifts inventories. They're not tests. People get freaked out. Well, here's a spiritual gift test. Oh, I don't do well on tests. Okay, it's not a test. But it's an inventory that helps point you in a direction so that you can begin to have an idea of what your spiritual gift or gifts are. I remember I took that a long time ago before I was ever a pastor. And um, I found out that teaching is probably my top spiritual gift. And don't laugh or say anything about that, okay? Teaching? Are you kidding me? Um, the second one was pastor. It's like, what? No. Here I am. (laughs) How'd that happen? In fact, usually you'll get a kind of a list of, here's probably your top one, and then maybe the second and the third or something like that. It will kind of rank them. So if you're interested in knowing, I can put something in your hands that might help point you in the direction of the spiritual gift or gifts that God has given you. Amen? All right. Are we good? Good. Well... Hopefully this gives us a little bit of insight into the gifts of the Spirit and why they are given and for what purpose they are given and who gives them and who gets them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a gift-giving God. And we're thankful for the spiritual gifts and how you've intended them to function in the life of the body of Christ through each individual believer who has received one or more of your spiritual gifts. And it's good to know, Father, that my gift is no important than anyone else's gift here. And their gift is no important than my gift. And they need all to come together for the church to accomplish the mission you have given us in our world. And Father, if we're still desiring to know what that looks like in our lives in a life, then I pray, Father, that there'll be that follow that will help point us in the direction. And when we know what our gifts are, then we have a better idea of what our ministries should be. And when that's all working together, then, then it's like the oil of love that just lubricates the parts of the engine that is the body so that it all works together in love and in harmony and in cooperation, and in mutual dependency. That Lord God not only accomplishes what you want to accomplish in the world, but Lord is a witness to people outside looking in and saying, look how they love each other and how well they work together. We give you praise for the gifts you give us and your work in our lives, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, thanks for being here today. Thanks for your attention, and God bless you with his grace and peace as you go this morning.